You're listening to the New Hope Church podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in as today's talk comes from Randy Spade. Hey, good morning, and you can be seated. My name is Randy. I'm one of the pastors here at New Hope. Now, uh, we have been involved here in the Advent season. Uh, we've engaged in a sermon series called Why Christmas? What is Christmas all about, anyway? You know, we read the Christmas story. We sing the Christmas carols. And we tend to focus on certain things. We focus on the grandeur. So we sing uh, Silent Night, Holy Night. Radiant beams from thy holy face. The grandeur. We focus on the glory. We sing heart. The herald angels sing glory. We focus on the sweetness of it. So we sing about the little town of Bethlehem. The little Lord Jesus lay down his sweet head. But there's one reality about Christmas that we recognize, but we typically don't celebrate. Today, we're going to celebrate that. Jesus was born in poverty. And we recognize that. But we don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. Now we know that Jesus was God. He could have been born in a temple. Wouldn't that be more godly of him? We know that Jesus was a king. Could have been born in a palace. Wouldn't that be more kingly of him? Jesus was a conqueror. He could have been born to Caesar or to some other conquering general. Wouldn't that be more victorious and powerful of him? But he was none of those things. He was born to a simple day laborer. And in fact, when he was born, he was laid in the feeding trough of the livestock of a relative. He was born in poverty. Luke 2 tells us, while they were there, the time came for Mary's baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. See, Joseph and Mary had to leave Nazareth, where they were from, and they traveled to Bethlehem, where Joseph's family was from. Now we read and we hear there was no lodging for them in the end. Well, guess what? There were no Hampton Inns in the first century. Uh, Joseph and Mary didn't go to a motel that said no vacancy and ask for a place to stay. They went to a relative's house. 
They had to go back to Bethlehem. So we know Joseph had relatives there. That's where they went to report for the census. But the problem is, so did all of Joseph's uncles and cousins who lived outside of Bethlehem. So they got to the relative's house, and it was full. There was not an empty room there. The house was probably, had a patio. And so we're told that when Mary got there, the time came for the baby to be born. They weren't in one of the spare rooms. They were sleeping out in the patio under the stars. And they laid Jesus in the feeding trough that would have been in the patio. Now, they weren't in a barn. They were probably not in a cave, even though today the church of the nativity has a cave where they say that Jesus was born. They were probably in the patio of the house. Inside that patio, they would have a feeding trough for the smaller animals, the newborn lambs, the small animals that they wanted to protect from uh, feral animals that were outside the house. That's where they laid Jesus. There was probably hay in the feeding trough, the manger, and so it was a little bit cushioned. So they wrapped Jesus as they would all children born at this time in strips of cloth, and then laid him where he could be comfortable. The first visitors who came were shepherds. Now, being a shepherd was not a prestigious job in Israel. It wasn't necessarily a nasty job, but it just wasn't something that you would think the king of the universe would be visited by. The shepherds came. They visited Jesus because the angels appeared to them. And you can't help but think that the people who knew this story remembered, hey, King David was a shepherd too. This is King David's descendant. So it's probably appropriate that shepherds come. When Jesus was eight years old, they took him to the temple to be circumcised and to receive his name and for Mary to be purified. Now, Leviticus says that when a woman gives the sacrifice for her purification after she gives birth. She's to sacrifice a lamb. Unless you're poor, if you're poor, you can use a pair of turtle doves or a pair of pigeons. So later on in Luke 2, it says this, that it was time for their purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord. 
either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. They were poor. Joseph and Mary were poor. Jesus was born in poverty. Now, hop over to the book of Matthew and what we see there. Uh, they entered his house. Go back to that previous slide, please. They entered the house and they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and they worshiped him. These were men, an undetermined number of men. We say three wise men. Scripture doesn't say they were wise men. Uh, it just says that a number of men came from the east. They probably came from Persia, which would have been where Daniel had been some 500 years before. They were probably similar to what Daniel was. He was an advisor to the king. They probably consulted the stars. And at a particular time, they read in the stars that a new king was born to the Jews. So you know the story how they went to Jerusalem. They first stopped at Herod's house. And they said, where's your son? He said, I don't have any new sons. And they said, well, the stars tell us that a new king of the Jews is born. Very, very interesting. You know, just a couple of months later, Herod actually killed his own sons who were in their 20s and 30s because he, were, he was afraid that they were getting a little bit jealous of the kingship and that they would get him and become the king. So he had him assassinated. Well, the wise men made their way to Jerusalem, uh, to Bethlehem. And in Bethlehem, they entered the house. Now, what does that mean? It could be that Joseph and Mary were still staying in the house where they were. Maybe by now the other relatives had left and they were able to be in actually a guest room. Personally, I don't think so because when Herod sends to kill the children of Bethlehem, trying to make sure that he would kill this child born to be the king of the Jews, he says, two years and younger. I think it's about two years later. By now, Joseph has established a business. He has built a house for them. After all, he is a stonemason and a carpenter. This is what he does for a living. And so it's very natural that he would have opened up shop begun to work, build a house. Joseph and Mary are now living in the house. The men from the east come. They worship him. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. And this is what the angel said. Get up. Flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. The angel said, stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. And that very night, Joseph got up, left for Egypt with the child and Mary and his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. The point is this. Joseph developed a business, was providing for his family. And in one single night, he just got up and left it all. 
just left it all behind. You know, this was a characteristic of Jesus' family. They were not at all interested in building wealth. He got up and he left his business. He went to Egypt. They continued in poverty. Yes, they had received gifts of gold and frankincense, which were expensive. I mean, gold, they could have sold that. The frankincense, they could have sold. The myrrh is kind of the outlier there. Myrrh was used to prepare bodies at a funeral. What a strange gift for a child. We look back at that today and we say, oh, okay, I get it. I understand. But at the time, it probably didn't make much sense. Well, Joseph and Mary were poor. Now, they stayed in Egypt until the angel said, okay, Herod's dead, go back home. Instead of going back to Bethlehem, they went to Nazareth. You know why? The Roman government had just recently established the city of Sephoris. It was about three miles north of Nazareth. And they built it basically as a vacation spot. It was still under construction. Joseph went there because he was a stonemason and a carpenter. They were building houses. He had a chance to follow his trade. So he went back to Nazareth. He wasn't from there. Mary was. But Joseph was from Bethlehem. But they went to Nazareth because that's where the work was. Do you understand what that means? Joseph was a migrant worker. He traveled around wherever the work was. You don't look at migrant workers thinking, boy, that's a life of luxury, do you? Jesus was born in poverty. He lived in poverty. During his ministry, somebody came and said, I want to follow you. Jesus said, you know what? I don't have any place to lay my head. I have no place to call home. And the guy didn't follow. He said, nope, that's not for me. Jesus, when he was born, was laid in a borrowed feeding trough. He preached during his ministry on borrowed boats. He fed 5,000 people with borrowed food. And when it came time for him to be buried, he was buried in a borrowed tomb. He was poor. In fact, we're told in the book of Luke how Jesus was supporting during his ministry. In the book of Luke, we start the middle section of Luke, and it tells us that soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples along with him, and 
some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them was Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager. Susanna, and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his, and his disciples. Now, if you've looked at the chosen, the, the series that, uh, frankly, on Sunday nights, uh, they put a new episode of the chosen out. They're into, uh, three seasons. You'll see Jesus traveling around with his disciples and several women. That comes from this passage. It's probably pretty accurate. This was his traveling entourage. But even here you get the idea that their interest was not in building up material wealth. Jesus had no interest at all in personal possessions. His mind was on other things. Jesus was born in poverty. He lived in poverty. Scripture's clear. Jesus identified with the poor. He did not identify with the rich. That's the opposite of what everybody was expecting. They looked at the rich and they thought, oh, those people must really be holy people. Look how God's blessing them. They're all rich. Jesus said exactly the opposite. He was careful to avoid that stereotype. At one point in his ministry, he said, you know, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Not impossible. Hard. Jesus had rich followers. We just heard of several women who had enough to be able to support not only themselves and their families, but also the traveling ministry of Jesus as he moved across the country. Joseph of Arimathea was rich, and he was a very faithful follower of Jesus. But these people were the exception. Paul picks up on this theme years later after Jesus has died and been raised from the dead. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich for your sakes, he became poor so that by his poverty you could be made rich. So we're in the middle of this sermon series called Why Christmas? Today we're going to ask the question, why a manger? Why poverty? Why did Jesus have to be born poor? What was it about that that became so important that the men who wrote down the story made sure to emphasize that Jesus was born in poverty and lived in poverty? Why poverty? Why did Jesus have to be born in a manger? 
It's the author of Hebrews that gives us a very clear reason why. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people since he himself had gone through suffering and testing. He's able to help us when we're being tested. Jesus was poor so he could identify with us. He was one of us. He knew what it was like to be hungry. He knew what it was like to not have enough money to pay the bills that you know are coming. But he also knew what it was like to totally depend on God. And that's what he did. And by doing that, he teaches us that we too can depend on God we can find God's mercy and provision just like Jesus did. This was one of his favorite topics when he was speaking to the people. He said, trust God. Just trust God. In the Sermon on the Mount, he says, why do you worry about food? Look at the sparrows. God feeds them. Why do you worry about clothes? Look at the fields. Even the most well-dressed man can't compare to the beauty of a field full of flowers. Trust God. He'll take care of you. Second topic. was what he did in his poverty. He said, I didn't come for a life of luxury. I came for a humble life of service. Once, we're told even during the Last Supper, the disciples were arguing amongst themselves as to which one of them was going to be number one. Who was going to get that coveted spot at the right hand of Jesus when he began to rule? When Jesus realized that's what they were talking about, he said, you know what, guys? You look around and you see that's what people want. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone, not just you, but everyone. Even the Son of Man, even I, didn't come to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came in poverty to identify with us and show us what is truly important. Today, if we truly want to make disciples who make other disciples, the way to go about doing that is not by selling, setting ourselves up, saying, look at me, 
just do what I do because I'm so great. Not at all. To live love and go like Jesus, first of all, trust God in your needs. Then, serve others in their needs. First, trust God in your needs. You know, we spent a lot of time here talking about finances. But those are not the only needs that we have. We can have needs in our family. We can have emotional needs. We can have relational needs. Trust God. We may be poor in spirit. Jesus came to us in poverty. We know poverty. Some of us have known financial poverty. Others, poverty of relationships, health, family. Trust God. Now, you know what that means? That means you have to be open to whatever God uses to satisfy your need. Usually, the way God will satisfy your need is by bringing someone into your life to serve you. Trusting God means that you have to be open to receive help from someone else. And conversely, you trust God in your need and you serve others in their need. You look for the opportunity to be that hand of Jesus with someone else, to help them over a rough spot. Maybe it's finances Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's health. But you look for ways that you can serve others. That is what we're called to do. That is why Jesus came in poverty. To show us that you don't have to be rich to help others. He wasn't, and he saved the world. You know, at the end of these sermons, we've taken time to just ask a few questions. Today, just a couple of questions that we can ask ourselves. What are you doing with the things that God's given you? Each one of us has been given wealth, health, relationships. What are you doing with those? Do you value those? Do you accept those with gratitude? 
Do I trust in God or have I set myself up so I don't have to? You know, that's our tendency. Trust is a scary thing. Trust means I don't have all the answers. I don't necessarily know where it's going to be provided. Trust means looking to God. Finding that answer in Him, whether that's finances, family, health, emotions. Who can I serve during this Christmas season? Somebody else is looking to trust God. They might not know it. Who can you serve? Who can you provide an answer for during this Christmas season? I pray that the Lord would bring to your mind right now someone that you know that needs your help. And the big question, what you going to do? Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning recognizing that you were born in deepest poverty. You know what it's like to be one of us. We'd ask this morning that you would help us to learn to trust in you who are just like us so that we can then help someone around us. Show us, Lord, who that someone is this morning and give us the courage to act on their behalf. We ask this, Lord, in your name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.